Well, I'm excited. Why do we do this month of prayer and fasting thing? Why do we do that? Because it's ritual? No way. What we're going to learn here in this time is that we can do nothing without Jesus. We have nothing. He's got absolutely everything. And it's one of our deepest values at the church is we saturate our ministry mission with prayer. And we believe in it. We trust God to work in and through the prayers of his people. And so I'm really excited for that, uh, for this whole month. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm pretty pumped about that. So let's finish this month strong, all right? Really excited. For those uh, who've been in our church for quite a while or, you know, a bit, you will remember we, there was a, a, an individ, a couple who came to our church and back in the, when they started coming in the early days, they had professed Christ, but they weren't walking with passion. They were, they were living together, though not married. And I'm not telling anything out of, out of school. They, they tell their story everywhere they go. And, uh, and so we began to meet with them, brought some biblical counsel to them, and I take my hat off to them. They humbled themselves and did whatever, you know, they wanted to do what Jesus and the Scripture taught them. So they created space, didn't live together, sleep together, and then what happened was uh, they ended up coming back later on, had a good, solid marriage, got married, had a ceremony, and they lived and grew began to disciple this man, and, uh, and others uh, began working with the wife, and uh, so they started getting involved in ministry. They became a real part of our church. Uh, they, 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 they said, they stood up and said, I'll, I'll do it to take a major ministry of our church to bring freedom to people who are really struggling with all kinds of hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And so for 10 years, Scott and Heather Nash served in Celebrate Recovery. Scott, six foot seven giant, greeted many of you every Sunday when you came to the doors. And I just say, I'm saying all this for a purpose. When they moved out east, he continued in my discipleship group via Zoom. And I continued to disciple and mentor him. And sometimes we'd meet privately also online. Today, he preached his first sermon in a church. I said to him, Scott, your God's hand is on you for ministry, pastoral ministry. And he preached today for his first time. Heather, during the service this morning, sent me pictures. I was so excited for him. I could hardly contain it. You never know who you're ministering to in your life group, in your ministry team. You never know who walks in the door. They may not fit your little Christian box, what they should be, but they can become more than you ever dreamed they could become. And so whether you're working in kids or youth or in a life group or some ministry team, doing mission work, you name it, you never, never know what someone can become. But they can't come in their own strength and flesh. It takes prayer. As you move the hand of God and God releases the presence and power of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And this brings us to today. We pick up the scene and want to follow Luke and his writings. We pick up the scene. Jesus 
was crucified. The disciples are in hiding, and I'm only going to focus on what Luke is writing. And they're in hiding, and uh, they, they suddenly, as they're in a room, Jesus appears, just like walks in somehow. His new resurrected body just, though real and though fleshly in some ways, a different kind of flesh, he had the capacity to walk in suddenly into a locked room. They were freaked out, and he said, peace, like peace. And they dialogue, and they're afraid. They, some of them are like, no, this is fear, but they worship, they're intrigued. So he says, give me something to eat. So he eats them. He says, you know, hey, spirits can't eat. And he just blesses them and encourages them. And then he says, the scripture says, he opened their mind to the scripture. And then Jesus went and he went back and he told them and taught them from the scriptures about how everything in the law, then in the Psalms, and then in the prophets, how it was all about him. He opened their understandings and he went back and traced that ever, all of the ceremonial laws, all of their sacrificial system, all of the events of the Old Testament and the people, all of the festivals that went on, how he manifested, God manifested himself on, in the desert journey. Even water from a rock, that rock was Christ. He was the one who brought manna from heaven, the true bread. Everything pointed to Jesus and he opened their understanding that Jesus didn't suddenly appear over here. No, he was involved in it and everything through the entire journey from creation all the way up to his coming death and now resurrection. He was the fulfillment of it all. Everything was in him. And he says, and you are witnesses of all of this. So he says, I need you to proclaim the forgiveness, the repentance and the forgiveness of sin to every nation, to the whole world. And he says, and I'm going to send the promise of the Father. God's going to send him. I'm going to send the promise of the Father. But don't go out yet. You wait. You wait in Jerusalem to be clothed with power from on high. You wait for the promise of the Father written about in the Older Testament. And then he leads them outside. And as they're walking, he continues to talk with them. And then he gives them his final charge and he blesses them. And suddenly he, he just kind of lifts up and disappears into the spiritual heavenly realm. Remember, things are not only as they seem. In the spiritual dimension, like we talked about earlier, is the vast throng of the heavenly armies of God, the throne of Christ, is the throne of God and Jesus sitting on the throne being worshipped ruling in a real kingdom and his kingdom is breaking through with every act of sacrificial love with every transformation of a life with every deed done in love with every gospel shared every act done for God wherever it occurs the kingdom is breaking through so wait for the promise of the Spirit in Acts. He picks up his story in Acts and he says, and you will be baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you do, you will receive power, enabling the capacity and ability to do what you cannot do, nor do you want to do in your own flesh. The Spirit of God is going to come and take up residency Yes, he was upon people through that time. Now he's going to be in you. And the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to enable you. And so Jesus leaves. And they return 
rejoicing, and they wait, and they pray. A little Gildology. We pick the story up in Acts 2, and it says, and the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Everyone assumes that that means the upper room. I don't believe it was. I believe it was the temple, and I'll tell you why in a second. They were all together in one place, all those believers, 120 of them. I believe in the temple or at the temple court. And suddenly, a sound, like the biggest windstorm they'd ever heard, a sound like wind. And then fire, or it looked like it anyway, appeared, and it split itself, and it went over and rested on each one of them. And then they began to speak in other languages, from language groups all over the world. And we know it was from everywhere, from Egypt, stretching all over country after country, everywhere. And they were speaking in different languages. Actually, they were worshiping. And witnessing, what were they doing? They were declaring the mighty deeds of God. And people are hearing this. It says the people heard this and they gathered. People started gathering. Just throngs of people coming from the noise. I don't, it doesn't say if it was the noise of the wind or the noise of their speaking. We're not sure. But whatever sound it was or both, it drew people like crazy. And they said, What? They're all speaking in our language. They list all these nations that were there. You see, the good news is for every nation. And they said, these people are drunk. This can't be. And denying Peter, now full of the Spirit, steps to the floor. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. Guys, it's only not even 9 o'clock in the morning. This isn't drunkenness. What you're hearing and seeing it's a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2, where I will pour my spirit out on all people. Young and old, men and women. And you will see prophecy and dreams and visions. And the spirit of God is coming now on every single person. And then he begins to preach the very first sermon to this great crowd that was gathered around. And he preaches about Jesus Christ and about his death. Adds a little jab or two, whom you killed. But he preached about the death of Jesus and then the power of the resurrection of Christ and that he is exalted. And these people were convicted in this great crowd. Some of them were convicted and they said, what do we do? They believed. What do we do? Repent. That means turn, change your mind. Get off of your way, and whatever religious road you're on, and get onto Jesus' way, and you follow him. And be baptized for the remission of your sin. And guess what? You will receive the promise of the Father. The endowment with power from on high. It's a gift to you. You, who's the you? 
the people who responded. And not only that, he says, and this promise is for your children. Children even. And not just you. Every single person after you who puts their faith in Jesus and responds, this promise, this endowment from power from on high, this promise of the Father, the filling of the Holy Spirit is your birthright. It's for every single one. And it said 3,000 of that crowd. We don't know how many, but at least 3,000 respond. That's why I wasn't in an upper room. Every time you preach, does every single person ever, ever, in any sermon, in Billy Graham's stats or anywhere, does every single person come to faith? No, but 3,000 in that crowd did. And they were baptized. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, receiving the promise of the Father. The rest of the book of Acts tells about all of these, these 3,000 plus, 3,120, and then you watch as you read the scriptures how that number keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. And you see the gospel, with a little help from persecution, bumps them out of Jerusalem and they start going all the way to Samaria, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. And we know from history that that went everywhere. We got people who went, Thomas goes to India. We got people, John goes way out to, you know, to, to Turkey. And people just go everywhere with the good news of the gospel. And it's still happening today. But what was that first group like? That 3,120, as they slowly started getting added to it at that beginning. What were they like? What did they do? This is our text this morning. I'm going to walk through the text, give you some things, and we're going to pray. So they, these 3,120, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. This group devoted themselves. They, they took this seriously. They gave their lives. They, they just didn't say, well, you know, I could go, you know, maybe get together. Maybe I'll read the scripture. Maybe I'll pray once in a while. Maybe, I don't know. If I got time, if I got some extra time, if I'm not busy, are you kidding they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? Everything Jesus taught them. Everything Jesus commanded them. Everything Jesus revealed to them through the law, the Psalms, and the prophets. He revealed everything he taught them. You see, in Hebrews it says this, that long ago God spoke through his prophets, but now he has spoken through Jesus Christ the exact representation, the radiance of God himself. He has spoken through him. And so every New Testament writer, every witness who's written something in this New Testament either clarifies, expands upon, repeats, or brings application to everything that Jesus taught. The apostles' teaching was Jesus' teaching. And they taught people and people were devoted to it. They wanted to know it. They were hungry for it. They sat under the teaching. They sat under its authority. They tried to put it into their lives. It wasn't, well, you know, maybe. No. They allowed whatever Jesus said, like Scott and Heather, rearrange their lives, whatever it takes to be in alignment with Jesus' teaching. That's what they did. 
Not perfectly, but they were committed to that. And to fellowship. This is a relational word of companionship and encouragement and togetherness. They were devoted to that. To the breaking of bread. Using the definite article here, it's talking about, literally about celebrating communion. Celebrating communion. Before COVID and all of this happened, we did a once a month communion for all together. But every single Sunday was elders at the back with communion and you could go during the worship time anytime you wanted and you could receive communion and if you wanted to, prayer. And I can't wait because I want to institute it. It's just been so cramped. It's so logistically. Man, I, if I, I'll take, I'm sorry for not continuing that. But boy, we want to see that. They devoted themselves to taking communion, the Lord's Supper. And to the prayers. The prayers, like the Lord's Prayer. That are not reciting it rotely, but to what he taught about prayer. All different kinds of prayers. They just devoted themselves to prayer. That's what we're trying to do here. To become a community that prays. And here's what happened. Awe. Can you say that? Awe. Because remember, things aren't only as they seem. What's going on in the spiritual realm right now in this room? God's at work. His holy angels abound all around us. The spirit and the elders and those that have gone before us. We join the thing. If we could pierce through into the spirit dimension right now, that's what we would see. And awe was happening. It's like there's something palpable when the church gathers together in spirits that have been prayed up, longing, devoted to each other, and wanting to see and hear the word and to worship God. Something happens. And to add to that awe, miracles. Sign and wonder was taking place through the apostles. Those things Jesus said, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news to the poor, to set captives free, deliverance from evil spirits, to heal our bodies, to see miraculous things take place. Changes of situations. You never know. And all who believed, who's the, who's the, who's the all? Well, at least the 3,120, they believed and they were together. This is a, a sign of unity, togetherness, camaraderie, partnership. And here's what happened. They had all things in common. In fact, if someone had a need, they would sell their possessions to make sure that those needs were covered. You talk about a countercultural you know, community because our community worships the god Mammon money and materialism, and they would gladly sell it to make sure everyone had. And day by day, attending the temple, they gathered together in the corporate place of worship and 
breaking bread, this one doesn't have the definite article, and breaking bread, this is means eating together. Can I hear an amen? It was fascinating me, Leah, and I've talked about this, but when we moved here from the West, in our first year or two here, for every one house we got invited to for a meal, we probably went to 10 to 20 restaurants. It, you know, it was very different. Different from the Midwest area, different from the, uh, the East Coast, I, I hear. And it's not wrong, it's just, a, it, it struck us so much. Something happens when we're in homes that's different than in a restaurant. Yes, it takes a bit of vulnerability. And we've learned what's happened in the last 10, 20 years, especially out here, magnified through COVID. Our homes now are out of bounds. They're private. So yes, I'll meet you wherever you want to, but not in my house. I think we are hamstringing ourselves as a church. I think it's time that we get back to good old biblical hospitality. Not impressing hospitality. One of the funnest dinners we had after church one day, Leah and I in our first ministry, was Dave and Beth Pettigrew invited us over to their home, and they served us, no joke, pancakes and popcorn with their little kids. They didn't try to impress us. They were friends since that day, and we had fellowship. We felt that moving out here, too, you got to impress people with your house and your decoration and the food, your, you know, your entertaining somehow. It's fellowship, friends. I'm sorry, I'm meddling. Uh, and they received their food, they ate together with glad and generous hearts. Now we see praising, worship is going on, and they were having favor with one another, with all the people. People saw such a quality of life. They may not have agreed, they began to persecute them like crazy, but you couldn't, and you couldn't judge their integrity, and they had favor. And guess what happened? The Lord added yearly, daily. Why? Because daily, people devoted themselves in their place of work, in their neighborhoods. They devoted themselves to the purposes of God. And as a family, as a, as a church, there were people coming to Christ every day. So friends, that's our text. I began thinking about this, and this has been resonating deeply for years, and it's just become amplified, you know, for some reason this month as I've been praying and fasting over the church and coming out of this. And I wrote this down. I didn't read it anywhere. I'm sure someone said something similar, but just say this. To experience what the first followers experienced, we must do what the first followers did. Does that make sense? How can we as a community, when we don't seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, when we barely open the word and get to know, when we kind of, you know, if we come to gather when we want, well, you know, if I pray here or there maybe, I'll serve sometimes if I want or not. How in the world are we to see the kingdom break in and the spirit fall on us and work through us to see people in this region come to Jesus Christ and discipled into the faith if we won't do what they did? 
And I was deeply convicted by this. I was complaining to God, like, why don't we see what we read? And the Spirit in His gentleness and His goodness and sometimes the sharp edge of that surgical knife, the Spirit. He says, are you as devoted as they were? And I'm just like, man. That's part of the reason, friends. It's part of the reason I go through these long fasts every January because there's so much work to do in my heart and life and God is so, has so much more yet to do to change me to become the kind of person. But I'm committed to this. I am no longer, I am not going to be someone who hinders the work of God. It's not going to be on me. And I want everyone in this church to have that kind of attitude. You don't have to fast for 26 days, but you might want to do things and intermittent. Do it. Do Get engaged. Read the word. Be, ask to be, seek to be filled with the spirit. Get connected with people. Have fellowship. Be committed to these things. Not lackadaisical about it. We got to do what they did if we want to see God do what they, he did there. So if we want to experience what they experienced, we got to do what they did. And trust God. So very quickly then, and I mean very quick, I'm going to go quick here. Uh, how we experience God in spirit-filled devotion. Because you have to be spirit-filled. And it's about devoting ourselves. But in that context, it's very similar to what we read. We apply all of Jesus' teaching. We just do. When he says something, it's hard, but we do it. We align our lives to God and his word. And we got to get to know it and let it speak and transform our thinking. You know, I haven't done it for a long time, but I have it written in the front of my Bible. And I used to have it totally memorized, but I would say this. You know, I'd say like, before I teach, I'd say, you know, in my hands, I hold the written word of God. It is alive and powerful. And as I constantly read it, study it, and apply it, my mind will be renewed, my heart will be transformed, my life will be changed. That is true, friends. The power of the word of God isn't just knowing it, it's in the doing. We devote ourselves, applying Jesus' teaching. We build relational death, depth. We build relationship death, death, depth. We gotta deepen our relationships. You just have to. You learn to fellowship and love and trust and build into each other's lives and, you know, get to know each other again. This, this fellowship was a camaraderie and a, and a companionship and a sharing and a partnering. We really are family. And I love what the church has been on an intentional, you know, Journey, it's going to last us about three or four or five years, but we're in almost done year two coming up. Intentionally be mentored by Reverend TV, Dr. TV Thomas and by the Tyndale Intercultural Center because I stood up three years ago and said, I don't know how to be an intercultural pastor. I don't. I know how to be a good Caucasian pastor. I don't have a clue how to be a really good intercultural pastor. And so I just, I'm on a learning curve, and our leaders are, our staff, and our elders, and now our ministry leaders are all doing this four times, being trained by the people at Tyndale on intercultural matters. We had three. We got one more full-day seminar coming up. Why? Because it's important. Then we're going to go to our life group leaders. Why? This isn't a passing fad. It's what God has called us to, to become one, one, one 
nation, one new man of every tribe and nation, honoring each other, getting to know and discover and all of that. So it's, it's about building relationship death. We receive communion together often. I've, we talked about that. I won't spend time on that. But friends, we've got to have communion. There's something that happens in communion, not just on a worship, not just on a regeneration of our own walk with God, but there's something about doing it together as Jesus is the ultimate host serving us. Invoking the Father's presence. This is the, the devotion to prayer piece. We want to experience God. We want God to manifest his presence, whether that's in you know, provision or whether it's in unity or whether it's in healing or whether it's who knows what in the deliverance. I don't know, whatever it is. We want God to manifest his presence. We need him. We're to risk to do kingdom works. We've got to take steps of faith and try. We're so afraid. Well, what if God doesn't answer that prayer that we don't do it? We have to take risks of faith. When you get a whisper or an impression from the Holy Spirit, act on it. Pray and anoint people for healing. Trust God to set people free. Take steps where he's going to have to move and we need him to come. Share Christ. That person could become a follower of Christ, a brother and a sister in the family. You never know. Sharing resources. We just will. I mean, that's part of kingdom life. Generous hearts. And we give liberally and generously. Eating together in homes. Talked about this. Gathering together for worship corporately. They devote themselves to these things. And lastly, they devoted themselves to guiding people to know Jesus. This is the witness piece. And that's why I'm so excited about this series, series coming up to practically train and help all of us to be able to do that in such practical, everyday ways. You're going to hear it and you go, duh. Yeah, well, that's not the problem. It's not to be profound. It's to help us to actually do stuff. I'm so excited about that series coming. When we started in the barn, there's momentum back in the barn, new series getting us back on mission for God. So really, really excited. But friends, this breakout, this movement of the Spirit of God comes from full devotion to Him, being devoted and filled with His presence. We'll never do it. So together we could if we dare to believe him and to dare to lean in. So, <clears throat> can we do this together? I'd rather try than sit back and think of what could have been. So, I know I get amped up about this. I'm so full of passion for but I do want to ask you, are you in? And would you be willing to receive if we asked this morning for the Holy Spirit of God to fill us anew, individually, collectively? I believe he wants to. You may not feel any warm fuzzies. First time I was filled with the spirit, I had about as good a sensation as eating into a cold potato sandwich. I mean, it was, I didn't feel any different. I didn't, I didn't. 
but you'll get in the same car with the same people, go to the same house, go to the same work in the same neighborhood, but things are not always as they seem. You can do the same thing with different perspectives, with a different enablement within you. And it's as you step out in faith that you'll see God begin to work. So don't chase a feeling. Want the real thing.